Welcome back, everybody, to Media Munchers. I'm Mathian. I'm Adrian. And today we're going to kick it off with a quiz, Adrian. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I see my fair share of things in the MCU. You know, I, I know a thing or two, and I would I would assume you're the same way. That's a no good amount. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, if you get everything right on the quiz, you're basically God-tier MCU fam. And if you don't, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> who, who cares? But uh, let's just kick it off with uh, something easy. Question one, Big Apple. Where is Tony taken in Iron Man? Is it Afghanistan, India, Germany, or Mumbai? Pretty sure it's Afghanistan. Yeah, that was pretty that was pretty ridiculously easy. All right, all right. Yeah, I got another one for you. Right. Where is Star Wars Lord originally from? California, Missouri, New York, or Florida? Missouri. Of course, easy. Who created Vision? <laughs> Thor, Ultron, Ant-Man, or Hank Pym? Uh that's a little odd. Are yeah, we are is. we referring to the comics in this one? Um, the quiz, is the, movie? the because... quiz.com says fun MCU trivia quiz. Um, but you know, it's, it's really weird that they don't give you like multiple options. Cause isn't it, isn't there a whole line where like Tony's like, yeah, or Banner said, it's like basically Tony, like Banner. And then like some of Ultron, uh, you know what I mean? Isn't it like a three-way parent thing in the MCU? In, um, in Infinity War, it was vision is a culmination of Ultron, Tony and, uh, Bruce Banner. Right, yeah. Isn't that what so, they said? I guess the majority of him is technically Ultron. He right. did body made. He was uploading his brain consciousness. Or right. Look at that. Yeah, I think silly question is silly question. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. In, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Also, in the comics, who is Ultron too? Right. Yeah, in the comics. Thor, Thor, oh. Thor is a little. How would you say like responsible he, like because the lightning yeah exactly like he he did have a part in it it wasn't big he definitely didn't create him he does kind of i guess you know what i think it takes a really uh, i mean i think it takes a village to raise a kid and i think a village raised our boy vision how about we should i think that's the right answer <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> all right for the quiz for the uh, quiz ultron, ultron yeah of course ultron they, you know, that's what quizzes, man. That's what they do. They, they, they simplify answers when you can have an elaborate discussion. That's what we're here for. Who is Wasp's father? Justin Hammer, Howard Stark, Obadiah Stane, or Hank Pym? Come on, man. This is like first grader. Uh, yeah, this is Hank Pym. Uh, okay, hold on, hold on. <laughs> this one's actually, I mean, you know what? But they don't even make it hard. Okay, you know what? I'll make it hard for you. I'm not giving you multiple choice. <laughs> How about, do you remember, okay. do you remember the first, like that reporter who was like in Iron Man 1? Where she's like, oh, I'm going to expose you, Tony, da-da-da-da-da, and he ends up, like, sleeping with her. You remember that? Uh, I do. Okay, do you no, remember the, her name? It was pretty much the beginning, right? Yeah, it was pretty much the beginning of the, like the casino opening. scene. Yeah, like the casino scene and all that. Do you remember her name? Yeah, I do. <laughs> What's her name, Big A? <laughs> uh, it's uh, Christine Everhart. Oh, my. How do you remember that name, Big A? <laughs> Honestly, it just came to me. <laughs> it just came <laughs> to you. No, 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 don't be sorry. I think you're the MCU aficionado, trivia god over here. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Oh, come on, these are these. Some of these are really basic. Where does Shiri live? Like, do you need a multiple choice for that? Come on now. All right, here's a fun one for the kiddos. It's a little, it's a little obvious, isn't it? Um, a little too obvious. Uh huh. Which Infinity Stone gave Scarlet Witch her powers? The uh, Mind Stone. That's right, Big A. Don't you forget it. Same same one as as Vision. Uh huh. Isn't that a little special connection among other things? It's amongst others. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Here's here's a fun one. Yes or no? Is Nakia part of the Dora Milaje? No, she's not. She's um, she's the ex to Black Panther, correct? Exactly. They had they were kind of. She was like the de facto love interest during Black Panther one, and they had history. And I 
would have liked to see more of that. Yeah, I, I really would have. R.I.P. Oh, okay. Here's a here's a fun one that might throw an unassuming person for a loop. Uh, so MJ, as in like Spider-Man Homecoming MJ, they ask, what does MJ stand for? And they give us Mary James, Michelle Jones, Morgan Johnson, or Mandy Jessup. Big Apple. What is the correct answer? Michelle Johnson? Yeah, Michelle Jones, actually. Half right. Half right. Jones, yeah, Michelle, Michelle Jones. Now, <laughs> I honestly don't remember if... Do you think it was just a subtle thing? Or is there like a, a big reason to change it up? <clears throat> To change it up, uh, mm-hmm. like in, in terms of the story, yeah, um, was it just something that's more fitting towards someone who, like, might fit her background and then ethnicity, or was it just like, like while keeping the MJ name, you know what I mean, but still making it more accurate to someone who looks like Zendaya? Right. I, I guess it was part of them trying to differentiate mm-hmm. differentiate themselves from past Spider-Man films. For sure. Yeah. Um, they probably changed because, and also not to tie themselves too tightly to. Mary Jane was in the comics. Right, right. Because there was a lot of backlash. Kristen Dunst and how she played Mary Jane. Right. Back when that, that came out. Oh, the Raimi days. We miss him. We miss him. Okay, <laughs> here's a here's a left fielder. <laughs> Which part of Drax's body is sensitive? His shoulders, his back, his nipples, or his knees? <laughs> what the fuck? His nipples, isn't it? <laughs> I would assume his nipples. Yeah, yeah, it's his nipples. Wow, that was... I think that's in, in reference to a, a joke from the yeah from, the from I think Guardians one was it like they're showing us a picture of like the, was the raft scene I mean they're showing us a picture of the raft scene in this one so maybe it was that oh no no it was when he was putting the jetpack on ah the you're right you're right wow look at them throwing me off all right <laughs> let's see what else we got here okay wow this is really obscure all right um so Chester Phillips the first Avenger you might remember this character yes. Chester Phillips. Uh, played by none other than uh, our men in black. Um, I forget. I'm dropping his name right now. Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. How could I forget my boy? Uh, here we go. Okay. Well, the question is, what rank does Chester <laughs> Phillips hold? Uh, Colonel, Admiral, General, or Lieutenant? And it beats the hell out of me. I honestly forget. Uh, Admiral? Colonel? I think it might be Colonel. What are you thinking? What's I wanna your guess? Say, I want to say want to say colonel i'm gonna guess colonel hey it's colonel chester phillips look at us we're okay. like a couple of regular encyclopedias. yeah i always question myself <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know the orders of the ranks i don't so. either i i'm just i'm uh, just as lost which agency does everett ross work for shield hydra cia or fbi it's got to be cia or fbi i'm thinking like fbi maybe no i don't what were the other two there was uh, Shield, Hydra, CIA, or FBI. Everett Ross. But remember, he had like a super American accent. Oh, Everett Ross. Everett Ross. Yeah. He's in uh, Black Panther. And he's and Civil War. Civil War, exactly. So what? Uh, yeah. What organization? I I believe the C CIA. Let's give it a shot. Yay! There you go. One for Big A. Hmm. <laughs> um. I feel like this one's easy. How many kids does Hawkeye have? One through four. Does Three kids. That's correct. Look at you. All right. What does May call Spider-Man's <laughs> heightened senses? The tingle, spider tingle, that special thing, or the Peter tingle? Peter tingle. That Peter tingle. <laughs> How did you feel when you heard that on screen for the first time? Bro. <laughs> I was uh, like, you know, it, it... <laughs> it's gross, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's a little. Um... It's a little suggestive. You know what I'm saying? Um, let's see what else we got here. <laughs> okay, this is really obscure. Which hero does Dave work with? Hawkeye, Ant-Man, Hulk, or Iron Man? Do you remember a Dave? 
You're not seeing a picture, so it's it's a lot harder. I, when you see the picture, it's really obvious. Ant-Man. Yep. Ant-Man. You got it right on the money. Yeah. I, I really don't remember the uh, side character's names like that. Not like that detailed. It's weird. Does does he even have a, a last name? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna IMDb that just for the sake of this. Ant Man. <laughs> right. he, I, does he? Let's find out. Anthony Mackie. Da 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 da. Who plays Dave? <laughs> no, just Dave. <laughs> no last name. Just Dave, Luis, and Kurt. All right. Here's an easy one. Who is Spider Man's best friend? Ned, Tommy, Alan, or Mickey? It's, uh, Ned. There you go. There you go. All right. Here's a fun one. Where does Sam meet Cap? New York, San Francisco, D.C., or Miami? Uh, D.C., because he's he's running in front of the... the isn't it the Washington... Uh, monument. monument? yeah. Wa- the Washington Monument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Hey, uh, back to Ned. You Do you think there's a good chance he's going to become Hobgoblin at some point? I think I think there is... I think there's feel to that theory because... Yeah, sure, he's like the fun comic relief, and he's unassuming, right? His name isn't like Harry Osborn, so to speak, right? So it would be really interesting yeah. if, you know... In a universe full of twists that they take him down that path now how he gets it that's that's what we're here to to speculate so do you think harry meets peter in this universe or they just somehow come across oscorp on their on their run in the next movie because they're going to be on the run and then like maybe something happens to ned and like that kind of sets up the next movie or how do you think it's going to go down yeah I, I would wonder if it would even happen in the next movie mm-hmm. um i remember in in the amazing spider-man 2 the way we meet Harry, he is he's a former friend of Peter, right? And that that's how. So I, I would wonder maybe they do just meet each other for the first time, and that's when. Hmm. I'm really curious to I'll see go. how this goes down. Yeah. How much of Doctor Strange do you think we're gonna see in Spider-Man uh, Three? Because do you think they're gonna do a bunch of multiverse Spider-Verse stuff with all the rumors that we're hearing? I mean, it, it's gotta go, it's gotta be building to that. Yeah, I would think it would. I think he'd be in a pretty good portion, maybe about a third. Mm-hmm. Because uh, without him, it would be kind of hard to see how Peter would figure out the multiverse. Right. And I, I think he would be like a easy way to kind of uh, mesh those two concepts together. Interesting. Well, here's here's a super easy last one. Where is Spider-Man from? Staten Island, Manhattan, Queens, or Brooklyn? Oh, Queens. <laughs> and I'm looking down at these results. Out of, out of the 29 or whatever, we have 31 questions left, right? Where her current score is 105%. We're better than 100%, Big A. Look at that. Look at us. <laughs> Cover of regular Joes. Oh, my God. I didn't even math that. I, I don't know how to math that. I don't know how math that, math, mathematically that works, dude. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I got to find a better quiz next time. <laughs> All right. Um, with, we'll be back in a moment. Make sure to check out our friends over at the Actors Network podcast. Available everywhere. Dope, 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 dope. Okay, we're back. And we're going to talk some Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 6, Big Apple. This is the finale we've been waiting for, my guy. So without further ado, let's get into it. At the beginning, yes. Carly's beginning her attack on the GRC meeting. They have a little voiceover. She's got to do what she's got to do. Bucky and Sam arrive on the scene to help along with Sharon. Really? Like, <laughs> okay. Uh, tell me why I, ex- I half expected Zemo to be there. I miss him so much. <laughs> no, but <laughs> he's in the raft. And Sharon uses Black Widow's face-swapping trick from the Winter Soldier. Uh, Bucky is addressed as Sergeant Barnes. That's that's a question that got answered uh, of mine that I had previously. I was like, okay, if he's not the Winter Soldier anymore, but he still you know fights for good, like how does he go by? So I guess that's how he'll go by from now on in the MCU. We still have distant shots of, of Falcon because it isn't costume reveal time yet. And then the Flag Smashers released a gas in the building, forcing the government officials to flee. Then, bam! Sam enters the building in the coolest way possible, throwing the shield beforehand, breaking the window, 
and flexing his new, possibly vibranium-lined, red, white, and blue wingsuit, my guy. Sam identifies himself as Captain America to the security guards when asked, and the man <laughs> replies, I thought he was on the moon. A callback to what Taurus said to Sam in episode one. So that's got to be, there's got to be vibranium, right, in that suit, Adrian? What are you thinking? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I, I heard somewhere it was, his, the, the wings are definitely vibranium, and Mm-hmm. probably lined with it too i would assume there's just i mean they have the resources why not you know and then as sam is trying to keep the officials from leaving and playing into carly's plans he is start he is stopped by a batroc right that's how you say his name right batroc was it bartroc i think it's batroc batroc okay well anyway he's stopped by batroc and uh the banter from sam is on point as <laughs> the banter from sam is on point as always a baguette maybe some french fries i just love him picking on batroc um <laughs> Carly, meanwhile, delays Bucky from getting to the transport by calling him on a phone owned by a Flag Smasher supporter. And then we see that awesome red spiral staircase rotating shot from all the trailers. Uh, the color design in this episode is very intentional. Lots of red, white, and blue, of course. Like, you notice that, obviously, right? It's just over the top of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but it looked great. Um, Bucky tries to reason with Carly, saying that he has fought for something bigger than himself twice, and he failed both times. Bucky doesn't get to the transports in time, as Carly wanted. And the Flag Smashers trap the GRC Council within them. Uh, speaking of colors... Sharon shows hers and plants a poisonous gas on Lennox while Bucky speeds away on a motorcycle trying to intercept the vehicles. Sam and Batroc have been fighting the entire time, but with the helicopter taken off, Bucky reminds Sam that flying is his thing, providing a great excuse to show off Sam's new and improved gear. Sam even rocket boosts into Bartrock with a shield on his way out. Big A, how satisfied were you with the Bartrock and Sam fight just ending like right there after everything they went through? Oh, big. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I had a good time watching that fight. I'm sure you did. <laughs> You saw a lot of stuff you liked? Yeah, definitely. Hell yeah. All right, good. Dope. Carly continues to be more of an extremist than the rest of the Flag Smashers, vowing to kill the hostages if that's what it takes to get their message out. She says even if she dies, the movement won't. And I was like, oh, okay. The extremism is strong with this one. Uh, we see the new and improved Red Wing, and likely with the help of a sophisticated AI, it can scan the hostages in the helicopter and find out who has flight training for Cap. When the Flag Smasher in the helicopter uh, forces the NYPD copter into a deadly tailspin, Sam rescues both men. Red Wing removes a window and grapples one to safety while Sam lands on the bridge using the shield and his wings to protect himself and the officer from the explosion. I was like, damn, son. That was a great shot. We, and more importantly, the folks of New York, also got a nice look at the new suit. Uh, dude, that scene was really well done. I mean, come on now. Give me, give it some props, Big A. Give it some props. Yeah, it was, it was really nice. There was lots of moments in the, in the show we'll get to where it's just like, bam, 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 he's here. And there was just like, a lot of uh, almost fan service moments, but like in the best possible way. Like, it's just like, this is what we can do. These are the wheels. Check it out. It's, it was really great. Um, right, yeah, yeah. Um, Bucky arrives as the Flag Smashers take over the transport trucks. Instead of throwing his motorcycle at the baddies like the old Cap would have, he instead uses the front of the bike, hitting the roadblock as it means to fling his vibranium fist first into a Flag Smasher. I was like, bruh. <laughs> it was that was a cool shot carly knows they need to distract him with hero problems in order to get away so she orders one of the trucks to be lit on fire just then when it seems like carly is going to be able to weasel away we hear morgan off screen letting us know that john walker has arrived for some good old-fashioned revenge uh i mean were you surprised by that entrance or you knew it was coming big a i mean come on now um i don't know if i was surprised let me put it this way did you expect it to happen there and then in the plot that's the more accurate question we knew he was going to do something when he was building that shield um yeah a little a little bit i, I felt like uh, especially uh watching the first few minutes it, it seemed like they really wanted to pick up really quick uh-huh. with everything so that way all the storylines can really play out throughout the episode so Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did feel like seeing that it, w- it would probably come pretty pretty soon. 
Right, right, right. No, I think the timing was, was just perfect, so it ended up working out pretty nicely, yeah. actually. Carly even says Lamar's life didn't matter to her cause and that she didn't mean for him to die, further inciting Walker. Uh, while Walker takes on the Flag Smashers, Bucky saves the people inside from the burning truck. Uh, he then comes to Walker's egg, so big A, that shield didn't really come back because it doesn't have the magic vibranium, but it took way more hits than I thought it could from Flag Smashers and stuff. So, I mean, I guess he used a good alloy because that thing, that thing took a beating, but... It was still kind of a one piece by the end of it, you know? <laughs> I was really expecting it to almost crumple. Yeah. After communicating with the lady in the helicopter with flight training, Cap is able to time a neutralization of the flag smashing pilot with a move similar to what he did in episode one. Sam is uh, Sam being able to strap the shield to the back of his wingsuit is tight. Also, Sam's suit is waterproof, which is neat. And I don't know why, but I kind of half expected it not to be. I don't know. <laughs> Instead of helping people in the remaining transport, Walker continues on his revenge path. Unfortunately, the truck is taken and driven towards a steep drop. Bucky looks up to see the truck dangling over the edge. In a big character moment, Walker decides to drop his destroyed shield into the quarry or whatever and does some heroic actions instead. He attempts to pull the truck up back to safety but is attacked by the Flag Smashers. Ultimately, it's our new and true Captain America, Sam Wilson, who saves the day and even the crowd acknowledges it. It was a dope-ass moment and he has like that is Red Wing. He's like two Red Wings now. They could just jump off and like help him out with the assist. I mean, what else can that suit do, my guy? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of Batman's utility belt. A little bit. A little bit. No, but it's it was a cool scene. Bartrock or Batrock shows up finally firing smoke grenades into the crowd. The Flag Smashers, Sam, Bucky, and Walker, they split up and track them down, showing off Sam's goggles. Another trick. Um, That thermal vision's pretty tight. When the bad guys split up, Bucky goes with Walker while Sam pursues the rest. After getting the location from Bucky, Sharon shows up, confronting Carly and revealing herself to be the power broker. <laughs> Which I was like, man, I knew it, but also like, wow, we knew it? Like, I understand they had to be vague, but it would have been nice to get more of like her motivations and struggles that led her to becoming that. Like, I don't know, maybe they'll do that in the next project. How did you feel about all that, that reveal, Big A? Yeah, I felt like we did, we did kind of see it coming a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I was still on the skeptical end because all of what we've seen wasn't a whole lot to convince me at that point. Right. But um, it was a decent reveal overall. Right. Like, I mean, something had to happen with that because, I mean, it took up, like, I want to say a third of the story. You know what I mean? Like, something had to be done with that. Yeah, I just kind of wish we saw a little more as to why. But like I said, maybe we'll see that in the next project or something. Uh, but Trock thinks he'll use this info to extort more money from Sharon, and that's not going to work for her. She seemingly kills Batrock and takes a gunshot from Carly. Do you think she actually kills him, or is he just down for um, the count? No. I think he might be one of those villains that we'll see from time to time. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought, too. So far, he, so far he's been in a couple uh, other things, so... Right, right, right. I, I see him re reappearing every now and then. Yeah, no funeral, so he must be alive. Um, if you don't see it, it, it doesn't. It didn't happen. Exactly. Like, unless you see him getting buried, then nah, that, he's not. He's fine. Uh, he'll walk it off. <laughs> Sam, appe <laughs> Sam appears and confronts Carly. He refuses to fight her. He wants to help her. This is a callback to the Winter Soldier when Steve refused to fight Bucky. She tells Sam to stay down, but instead of I can do this all day, he just says no. I'm like, it's true. And um, of course, it's not his thing, but I just thought it was funny that because the music swelled a bit there. Like they were definitely like trying to prompt us for something. <laughs> it was just like, nah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Bucky the Boomer uses the Flag Smasher app on the phone he was handed earlier in order to capture the remaining Flag Smashers for the police. And then, like, uh, Walker quotes that, I think, Abe Lincoln quote. Was that what it was from? So Yeah, I, I believe he said that. Long story short, it's, it's him showing that he's going to try and do things uh, in a better way from now on. At least it seems that way. We'll see. <laughs> um, during the fight with Carly, Sam drops the shield, and Carly goes to shoot him, which is hilarious to me because either he just tanks the bullet with his vibranium lace suit or just blocks him with his wings. But ultimately, she's killed by Sharon, and Sam holds Carly as she dies. 
Uh, he carries her out to the waiting crowd of civilians, TV, camera, councilmen. And there he makes an impassioned speech about what the council, the world needs to do differently. He speaks on the struggles of being a black man, carrying the stars and stripes, and how even he, now he knows people are looking at him and hate him for it. Uh, Bucky and Walker are listening in on the crowd while Isaiah and Torres are watching on TV. It was funny. I mean, it was it was a great speech, and it was actually nice to see, like, wow, that, I mean, that's what Captain America's there for. It's here to push everyone to do better. <laughs> I just thought it was a great character moment at the end when <laughs> Bucky was like, oh, sorry. No, I was texting. All I heard was something about a black guy uh, in the Stars and Stripes. I was like, God, <laughs> I love their banter. I love, like, how their, their relationships developed <laughs> to this point, you know? Yeah, it's been real good. Yeah, I really hope to see more of them, especially in that rumored... Uh, the rumored Captain America 4. Well, not rumored. It's almost confirmed, isn't it? Captain America 4 with the screen, screenwriters from this show? Yeah, yeah. It's been reported that they, uh, they're they already in development. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for that. I mean, that's easily another trilogy, you know, and then we'll see where we go from there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Zemo is still carrying out his mission from the raft, apparently. His butler, who I didn't even register who he was until I saw a video on it online, kills the remaining... <laughs> Come on, dude. Kills the remaining Flag Smashers, thereby completing his mission. Dude, let that butler retire, my guy. <laughs> like... Imagine doing hits for your boss at 90 years old, dude. Like, how did you feel about that scene? Like, was that left field for you or? No, I mean, I, I didn't see it coming. This was one of the more subtle reveals because mm -hmm. I thought maybe at that point we would have been done with the Zemo. Right. Then that the butler come back, which, yeah, I, I didn't register who it was either. <laughs> I was like, who is this? I know someone online <laughs> thought that someone online thought it was fucking old cap. I was like, no way, dude. <laughs> Oh, it killed me, bro. I was, I, yeah, that threw me off. Um, but anyway, we cut to Zemo, uh, listening to that on the radio in the raft. And, you know, it seems like he's the most successful villain in the MCU so far. He almost seems smug in there, man. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting these prisoners to be executed during transport. But, I mean, here we are. Like, you know, Zemo is a man of conviction and he gets the job done, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Madam Hydra, aka Contessa Valentina de Fontaine, gives John Walker his U.S. agent suit and the new name. She also jokes that she could have been behind Zemo's plan to take out the Flag Smashers, and I almost half believe it, because she's like, she seems like she's one to play mind games often. Bucky goes to visit Yuri, making good on his promise to offer peace to someone on his list. I, I am surprised that that scene didn't play out longer, but I guess it had to do with, like, you know, he did the thing. We don't need to linger on it too much. Dr. Rayner receives a gift from Bucky uh, with his list with every name crossed off, so I guess he's been on a, a marathon of making right by people, I guess. How did you, um... How'd you feel about that? It was a nice little button to his character to you or Yeah, it gave uh it gave uh closure to that to that moment. Uh from the first episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad to see that he's uh yeah. he's moving on. He he seems to have a little more of a smile on his face, especially at the end when he's like hanging out, letting the kids swing off his vibranium arm in Louisiana. So mm -hmm. yeah. that was nice. Sam visits Isaiah and takes him to the Smithsonian Museum where his sacrifice for the country is now included in the wing dedicated to Captain America. It was a touching and poignant moment, and I'm glad he got his place in history. Part of me still wishes we could have seen the history that was erased in the form of a flashback, but oh well. Uh, maybe in the future. Uh, Sam and Bucky are together in Louisiana. The end cap for the show reads Captain America and the Winter Soldier. And then we have a post-credit scene, Big A. Um, Sharon Carter receives her pardon from the government and gets her position back in her old division. She then leaves the building and makes a phone call telling whoever's on the other end to get buyers lined up as she will now have access to government secrets, prototype weapons, etc. I'm glad they included that. Because it really like really solidifies, yeah, no, she's the power broker, and this is what she's going to do. And it's going to be interesting seeing eventually, I would assume, Captain America and Sergeant Barnes are going to have to like cross paths with her. And there's going to be some sort of, they have to come to some sort of head with that, right, eventually, right? Or no? Yeah, I think I think that's what they're building up to. Yeah. At some point, we're going to see we're going to see that come to fruition. Mm -hmm. I'm really going to, I'm going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see. <laughs> 
Sam try and talk her off the ledge, so to speak. Because, I mean, it's cool and it's noble that he tries to get everyone, he tries not to fight, tries to get everyone to come to reason. But I just, I think she's so far gone in the sense that, like, she obviously likes her old life. She likes the power. She likes the money. She likes doing what she does. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they clash. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But overall, Big A, I mean, are we satisfied? Final thoughts in the series? I mean, what are you thinking? Yeah, um, I feel like this was maybe a little bit better than when what what, what we got at the end of WandaVision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No um, doubt. It's a different show. Maybe, it, yeah, I, I think maybe it had maybe more stories going on, more more things that, that were coming to an end mm-hmm. uh, at this point in the show. Uh, I think I think it was it was a well structured episode. Uh, there were almost no no lulls in it as well yeah and i could tell that because not to say necessarily that last episode had a lot of that but there were some there were some lulls you know what i mean because it's like you can't give too much away in the second to last episode at least for the way they structured it here like but like the last episode just bam 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 like you said tons, tons of stories uh you know everything we've been building up to the last five episodes it comes to fruition here and then they set up more later you know for the future and that's the that's a key difference between something like this show and like WandaVision where it was more of just like almost like a character study and yeah, it built out the world a little more and he fleshed out her. Um, but this was really like, no, these are established characters and they're going through stuff and they're they're you know changing, but there's also a whole world that changes with them and it was it was there was just a lot more world building and stuff like that. And it was good, it was satisfying. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But she I guess we should get into the Invincible episode seven, huh? Huh, Big A? Sounds like we should. It sounds like we should, bro. I mean, initial thoughts, Big A? Like the show as a like this episode as a whole? And uh this is a big one. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. As big as big as it uh as it should. Yeah, it's yeah, man. I mean it's this is the last the way I look at it is that since they structured it for eight episodes, this is the last episode where they can have a a quote sense sense of normalcy like because everything's about to change you know like everything they've set up is about to just be flipped on its head and we're gonna see the fault we're gonna see that happen and then the fallout of that or the beginning of the fallout rather happen in the season finale and it's gonna be a big one i can tell already the way they the way they're structuring this story man ah next (laughs) week's gonna be a killer episode um so let's get right into it the episode opens with deborah waking up in bed alone she then heads downstairs to the kitchen where her husband stares pensively out into the window while his bloody murderer uniform sits in the kitchen counter uh, after letting the silence hang for a little bit, she asks the question we've all been wondering, why did he keep it? Nolan responds that he used the suit to help generate false evidence against Damien Darkblood, but admits that a part of himself might have wanted to be found out. Nolan also reveals that murdering the Guardians of the Globe was nothing he'd been forced or controlled into doing. It was simply necessary. He then asks Deborah to trust his reasons without explaining them, which goes over about as well as you'd expect, Big A. She then kicks Nolan out of the house, and he like freaking just yeets through the, the ceiling and I was like, oh my gosh, Nolan. After her husband's gone, Deborah calls Mark and he just gets his voicemail. And just as she finished leaving a message, a squad of GDA troops uncloak and surround her. Donald walks in and tells her she needs to come with them. Meanwhile, Mark, Will, and Amber make an incredibly awkward, uncomfortable drive home from Upstate University. Mark attempts to talk with Amber, she ignores him. Once they arrive at Amber's house, Mark makes a last ditch effort to try and fix things by revealing he's finally invincible. Uh, much to his surprise and mine too, Amber reveal- reveals that she's known for, like, weeks now. When Mark asks why is she still angry, she tells him it's because he's constantly lied to her about who he was and what he was doing. And she then tells her ex-boyfriend to leave. How did how did that roll for you? I don't know. How did you feel about that little interaction? Um, I like the, the differences in how she she already knew. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I preferred that because it, it gave her a little more nuance. Sure. It felt more uh, real in that way, mm-hmm. I guess, because like typically you see them not really realizing that they're the superhero that they are. Yeah. 
it, it sort of like it's it's unnecessary and an uh, anonymity um, right because like he he should have told her mm-hmm. and the fact that he didn't and he already knew i just kind of made it worse right exactly i wasn't upset that it was kind of a subversion of expectations um and it's definitely not a get out of jail free card you know what i mean but at the same right. time she said she knew for a few weeks and i was like well then why did she seem genuinely like emotional when she when mark quote unquote left him for dead at last week's like you know invasion with that um with the reanimin for the first time like he was actually saved him well mm-hmm. attempted to save them from it before he just offed himself but i was like that that's the only incongruity that kind of threw me off but like let's say let's say that happened like i don't know way like way differently in the timeline then like yeah but i mean it was nice like you said it gives her more nuance i was just like well then like what are you getting at here girl like i understand that you're upset that he lied but i mean you know like he had reasons and their emotions and they're teenagers i get it so it's gonna be interesting sure. to see if and how he uh not necessarily like wins her back, but if they ever come to so, so, some sort of like agreed closure on that, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. It's going to be interesting. Um, elsewhere, a very happy and content Adam Eve prepares for another day of helping other people and on her own terms. I was like, man, making herself coffee in bed. It's pretty, pretty badass. After Monster Girl is discharged from the hospital, she returns to Guardians HQ and is greeted by a surprise party from her teammates. Unlike the last time they were all together at the base, everyone is in good spirits and getting along, even Rex and Black Samson. Uh, Monster Girl jokingly asks the original Guardian why the beatdown that nearly killed her gave him his power back, and he doesn't seem to know either. The jovial atmosphere takes a sharp turn for the weird when Robot begins to glitch out while telling Monster Girl how happy he is that she's okay. Unbeknownst to the rest of the team, his deformed human body and the chamber he resides in is being transported in a truck to the Mahler twins' lab. How did you feel about that reveal, Big A? Like seeing the real robot. How did you feel about that? Talk to me. Didn't we see him uh, a few episodes ago? We did, but I don't think we saw him in great detail, did we? Uh, well, we actually it was a lingering shot, right? Uh, it was. I mean, it wasn't exactly revealed who he was. I don't think. Right, like the details, um, rather. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Obviously, Robot was serving some sort of overlord, so to speak, in the last last time we saw that little shot. But like here, it's mm-hmm. kind of like a spill tell all, and that that's what I want to know. Like, how do you feel about his true identity and his reasons for doing what he's doing, that kind of thing? Yeah, I thought it was. Um, again, it added to the nuance and it changed things up. It wasn't like a typical um go normal villain sort mm-hmm. of thing yeah where where could you is that where you could have seen it going you could have seen it being more of a nefarious thing like maybe he was a villain posing as a hero is that where you could have saw it going yeah yeah definitely wow. um yeah i was happy that it, that it didn't it was cool yeah i'm really i'm really surprised to see well we'll talk about it some more in a second here but i'm going to be really interested in seeing how the rest of the team kind of when they find out how, how they kind of respond to it not more more importantly how they move on with it in the future you know what i mean the new reality because there's more tea to be spilt after getting over the initial shock and disgust at seeing robot's true form the supervillains show him the clone body of rex as a teenager they've created robot is pleased with the work although he gamely asked them to remove all the time bombs and control mechanisms they placed with that awkwardness out of the way robot asks for one last thing a neural transmitter to be added before revealing the payment. The schematics for a GDA control collar that could potentially control the strongest superpower individuals in the world under their command. He then tells them that the schematics encryption will be revealed once they've finally completed their task. He also makes a show of good faith by disintegrating his drone guardian, essentially putting his vulnerable human body at the Mahler twins' mercy. Meanwhile, Mark and Will have an extremely sad lunch in the Burger Mart parking lot. Mark assures his friend that the GDA will do all they can to help Rick, but Will is still angry that he went off looking for Amber first. If he had searched for Rick instead, then he would have likely been able to save him. Instead of pushing back, Mark admits Will is right, citing his failure to save Rick as one of the many reasons he's decided not to be a superhero anymore. 
Will tells Mark that his self-pity isn't warranted, especially with regards to how bad he screwed things up with Amber. Rick comes off as a bit harsher than I thought he would personally, though they're supposed to be good friends and understanding, but I don't know, maybe Rick is still salty about his now would-be robo-boyfriend. How did you feel about that scene, Big A? It's understandable right. how, how upset he is. Because mm-hmm. when you think about it, his ex-boyfriend is not going to have like the same kind of life anymore. That, that's fair. Really? Yeah. No, I definitely get it's it. Episode, sure. so. Yeah, he's a he's a bit different now, to <laughs> say the least. He's a bit changed. Just a little bit, you know, he's yeah, just a little bit, little <laughs> transformations here and there. <laughs> um, so despite his friend's tough love also being painfully accurate, Mark decides he needs to talk with someone who might have a better understanding of what he's dealing with and storms off. Deborah arrives at the GDA headquarters, which is now in chaos as they attempt to track Omni-Man. After telling Cecil that her husband killed the Guardians of the Globe, he reveals he already knew, earning him a slap across the face. I was like, okay, true. Um, he also <laughs> he also admits that they failed to learn why he did it or how to stop him. At this point, Deborah's son might be the only chance of putting Omni-Man down. Obviously, Deborah's not cool with this. Meanwhile, Omni-Man practices the speech he wants to give his son, explaining his actions and why he had to kill the Guardians. He then flies home to find Mark, but instead is greeted by four GDA troopers, who he just marks, my guy, crushing skulls, ripping people in half, etc. The last one attempts to crawl toward the house across the street with her, like, torso twisted 180 degrees about itself. And then, and then fucking Omni-Man finds out there's been a stakeout the whole time. He's like, you've been spying on me? And, uh, you know, Donald buys his people just enough time to flee before Omni-Man begins ripping out his spine, my guy. And with his dying breath, he tells Cecil, Cecil it was an honor to work with him before setting off a bomb that turns, like, the entire residence into a smoldering crater. My guy, Big A. How did you feel about Omni-Man going crazy on them? Like, did you like that scene, bro? Talk to me about it. Yeah, man. That was, uh, that was intense. Yeah, it was. Oh, my God, yeah. dude. I love how Cecil was like, oh, we had to evacuate the neighborhood. You know, and even then uh it might only put him to sleep <laughs> and then the camera reveals that he's just standing <laughs> yeah. there like nothing happened or he's like or it may not even hurt him at all i was like god the power scaling man this dude's crazy powerful um yeah, for, I, I go really ahead go ahead go ahead wonder, uh what what exactly is he gonna take to to put him down is he because as strong as he is uh like he's very similar to superman mm-hmm. like superman has that a kryptonite he has that one thing that can defeat him yeah exactly and, and it's so funny you mentioned that because um it's exactly as you said i mean like it, it just it hasn't been revealed if if it ever will be you know what i mean and so like what is it gonna take mm-hmm. you know what i mean so and obviously the whole episode is them struggling to do their tower of babel story they're like how are we going to take down the most powerful being on the planet and cecil is throwing everything i mean he's throwing everything at him to just and we'll get to it but it's just it's crazy seeing like him just ruthlessly like he's dead set on a path and nothing is really stopping him it's merely slowing him down yeah. so unfortunately the blast like we said does little more than piss omni-man off who takes to the skies to look for mark back at gda headquarters cecil tells deborah it's vital that they find their son before his father does back at the Mahler twins lab robot is taken from his drain containment unit which instantly kills him due to the fact that, in- uh, that oxygen is toxic to his lungs after attaching a respirator the twins place robot on a table next to a clone of rex they explain that the procedure, which will be extremely painful, won't transfer his mind to the clone body. Instead, it will duplicate all of his thoughts, memories, essentially creating two versions of him. After Robot assures him he understands what will transpire, the twins begin the procedure, which immediately begins to go Ari. They're able to finish the transfer, but not without the original Robot being mortally wounded. Before expiring, he tells his newly cloned self to have the experience of life and happiness in his new physical state uh, that his old one wouldn't allow him to have. Uh, oddly a touching moment. Almost almost brought me to tears, Big A. Once everyone has taken a moment to recover, the twins ask the new robot for the schematics along with the necessary encryption. He gives it to them before immediately declaring it's time to go back to jail and launching the two previously hidden robot drones into action via the neurotransmitter. 
Uh, when they managed to take those two out, a robot transformed the truck he drove into to a giant freaking like Autobot and like just starts wrecking them across the lab. Um, just when the Mahler twins are about to be captured or, pos- or possibly neutralized, robot receives a call from the GDA about an apocalypse level event and takes off for Guardian HQ. Um, that whole scene, I mean, do you want to? Do you have any thoughts on it? Because I have some. Uh, go ahead. Well, just I thought it was really neat because you already mentioned in the past you like the Mahler twins and, and you like them as characters and you like their wit and their banter. I thought it was really cool seeing mm-hmm. them like quit back and forth with the new robot or I guess Rudy, if you want to call him that. And um, and they're like they're making gadgets on the fly and stuff. And they're like, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we're thinking the same thing because we are the same thing. And they're like going back and forth and they're really they're, they're putting up a decent fight. And um, a robot eventually trumps them. And, you know, before they're about to be cornered, essentially, then he has to leave. And I thought it was just a cool character scene for, for the two groups on end. You know, the two groups going against each other is what I'm trying to say. So I thought it was a cool scene. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Omni-Man tracks down Will and menaces him into revealing Eve's approximate location, which Mark apparently told him at some point. Uh, Invincible finds Adam Eve and tells her about how disastrous things have been for him since becoming a superhero. As they both commiserate over how complicated their lives are, Omni-Man closes in on their position. Cecil activates a high-powered orbital laser beam that blasts him into Earth's crust. You wouldn't dare. <laughs> Unfortunately, the rogue hero is able to burst up from the ground before flying into orbit and destroying the laser. $400 billion for the world's most expensive nosebleed. Big A. Talk to me about that scene, <laughs> my guy. Come on. Yeah, again, another showcase of uh, how, how durable he is. For real. I was just like... Uh. That thing, that thing was crazy. Cause I always, um, that's some sci-fi stuff. I always, I always like thought at some point, some government's gonna create a device like that. You know what I mean? Like, to hell with nukes. Let's just, <laughs> let's just blow up thirty blocks if we feel like it. And um, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it was really cool seeing that in action. Uh, Adam sees, Adam Eve sees the orbital explosion and decides to check to see if the situation requires her help. Invincible refuses, however, insisting the world was fine before he started playing superhero. Would be fine without him. She flies off without him, but he soon, very predictably, has a change of heart and catches up with her. Back at Guardians HQ, the team is frustrated at Cecil for refusing to tell them what the apocalypse-level event is and ordering them to stay put. The anger is quickly replaced by confusion when the teenage version of Rex shows, Rex shows up out of nowhere. He explains to them, to them his actual name is Rudolph or Rudy Connors and that he's the one been controlling the robot drones, albeit from a different body. <laughs> Rex is understandably perplexed and furious at Rudy slash robot cloning him without his permission. And then he, Rudy proceeds to explain everything, including the unnerving confession that he chose Rex for his clone body because it looked like Monster Girl was attracted to him. This understandably makes Rex and the rest of the team even angrier and disgusted. Um, I didn't expect him to be so forthcoming with all like the truth with all this. And it's just funny that like you're kind of on like Re- you're kind of on Rex's side throughout this scene. He's been kind of an unlikable character, like likable but unlikable. You know what I mean? Kind of an ass. And you're just like you're with yeah. him. You get it, man. You're like what the hell. Uh, <laughs> Monster Girl also points out that it's hard to understand how Rudy slash Robot could think they would all be okay with this when he lied to them about who he was and conspired with known criminals. Before things can get any worse for the Guardians team leader, though, Black Samson locates a video feed of Omni-Man wrecking that space laser. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, Rex even had that line about, like, whoa, we're the last hope. I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, <laughs> look what happened to the last last hope against Omni-Man. <laughs> just cuts the blood stain on the wall. I think that might have been later in the... Sh- the- no, that was then. But that was that was just really um it was really grounding to see them like realize what they're up against. Um mm-hmm. yeah. Cecil uses his teleporter to put himself near Omni Man's flight path. After getting after getting his attention with a powerful laser blast, the GDA director teleports away from Omni Man's attacks while attempting to interrogate him about why he's turned on everyone. When he refuses the answer, Cecil taunts him over the pain his betrayal will cause Deborah and Mark. He then teleports back to GDA headquarters less than a second before Omni Man can rip his throat out and leases a trio of reanimen. 
It turns out that instead of locking up D.A. Sinclair, Cecil put him to work reanimating dead GDA troops into a cyborg super soldiers. Uh, these of these three are giving Omni-Man a run for his money, surprisingly, and Cecil even admits he feels dirty working with a sociopath like Sinclair. But Omni-Man's actions have given him no choice to do whatever it takes, Big A. So I thought I thought it was interesting, and it had me kind of like cooking up conspiracies in my own head. We we saw just how powerful these guys were against uh, Invincible, and I was like, well, you know, Invincible's kind of he's kind of green, you know, he might not know, but like I mean, it took three of them, sure, but they were giving Omni-Man a run for his money, so. Does part of you think, okay, they just need an army of that to to counter him in the future? Or what are your thoughts on it? Or do you think it's just like a cool attempt to stop him? Mm, yeah, it was it was a cool attempt to stop him. Uh, I, I'm not sure that even an army could could work against him. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they can... I don't think they can fly, can they? That's my I, knowledge. I don't, think we, I don't think we saw him fly. I don't think so either. They had, they had to be like shipped in on like little... Yeah, I think they're just normal dudes yeah, they who were enhanced. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, do you do you think Cecil is telling the truth that they're they're former? Oh, former uh, troops serving their country one last time. Ah, uh, you know, Cecil. Is, man, I I kind of have a feeling it's um, it's still the guys from the college. Oh really? Oh, because yeah. there's three of them. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question then. Listen, I wouldn't put it beneath him. Like, if those three, let's, let's for example, let's say, let's play devil's advocate here. Let's say those three were the dudes from the college, right? And that was kind of a grimy thing for Cecil to do, but, like, why not, right? Um, Let's, I honestly don't remember what their fate was. I think Omni-Man en- ended up wrecking them, and, like, they were disabled, right? Yeah, I believe so. So, anyway, let's say they all, they all three of them died, right? That's the end result. Well, then I wouldn't put pa- I wouldn't put it past Cecil to um to make more dead uh reanimated Omni Men. I mean, sorry, Reanimen, right? From dead GDA troops, because I mean, there's no shortage of those when they're trying to stop Omni Men. So like, he can bring them back to service at any time. And also, Cecil even says he's a really good liar. Like he brags about it. So there's no telling at any point if what he's saying is the truth. I'm sure like objectively he says it most of the time, but he has no qualms about lying to people to get what he wants. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, he's he's uh, akin to Nick Fury. Exactly, exactly. So, I I wouldn't put it past them at all. Um, so anyway, Omni Man's eventually to defeat the Reanimator and continues on his way to intercept Invincible with no other options remaining. Cecil instructs the GDA team to unleash the genetically enhanced version of the Kaiju that almost defeated Omni Man back in Episode Three, apparently. As the kaiju proceeds to kick Omni Man's ass, Cecil instructs his team to teleport him to Invincible and Adam and Eve's locations. Teleport him to Invincible and Adam Eve's location so that he can give them their own teleportation devices and bring them back. Unfortunately, sending the creature to intercept Omni-Man burned out the teleporter. Um, Cecil also commands the new Guardians to remain where they are, explaining that if the Kaiju fails, there might be the last chance the Earth has against Omni-Man. Oh, there's also a cute character moment where, despite her reservations about what Rhodey slash Robot has done, Robot has done um, Monster Girl grabs his hand for comfort. So, hmm, maybe she'll get over it quicker than we thought. Or maybe it's just the end of the world. Who knows? Uh... Meanwhile, Invincible sees what's happening and saves his dad just before the kaiju is about to devour him. Still completely unaware of what his father has done, he excitedly teams up with him to take down the beast, which manages to quickly put them both on the ropes. I thought that was a cool character moment for in- Invincible or Mark because he doesn't know what's happened. And he's like, yeah, it's about time we've done a team up. Team up. And like for, for a brief moment, you just forget about like all the circumstances and they have like a common threat. And I was like, oh, that's kind of sweet. Like <laughs> they're having a little <laughs> yeah. moment before like the world crumbles around them. <laughs> Um, <laughs> back at GDA headquarters, 
Deborah and Cecil call Adam Eve's phone. She's thrown for a loop and Deborah tells her what's happening and she becomes even more flustered when Cecil orders her back to the Guardian's HQ. Deborah then begs Cecil to call off the monster, but he refuses, refuses, explaining that it might be their last chance to finally take down Omni-Man and Invincible if it turns out he's on his father's side. Over at the Mahler twins' lab, the pair use the schematics Robot gave them to build the control collar, which they place on the recapitated body of the Immortal. When the superhero fails to revive, one of the Mahler twins begins pounding on his chest. This causes the Immortal to begin flashing through his incredibly long life, which includes glimpses at the mysterious entity that gave him his powers, the time he lives as the person we lived to, the time as Abraham Lincoln, and like amongst other leaders and stuff. <laughs> did you think that was a cool little like Vandal Savage type flashback, or how did you feel about that little scene? Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was really neat that he was Abraham Lincoln. I was like, so dude got shot, and then he healed up, and it was all good. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. The final memory of Nolan decapitating him causes the Immortal to wake up easily rip off the control collar and fly out to the Mahler twins fly out of the Mahler twins lab in rage he quickly locates omni-man and begins absolutely wailing on him leaving incre- leaving invincible to barely hang on against the kaiju i um, thought this was this was really neat because i don't remember i read the comics i don't remember him flying straight over to him and like just beating on him so this was this is a treat we got watching the show so i, I thought it was really mm-hmm. cool that they kind of got a rematch so to like so to speak and he was actually holding his own pretty well during this fight um before uh <laughs> Before Omni-Man just freaking rips him in half in front of Mark. I was like, okay. <laughs> Mark's got to know. He's got to know something's up there. So uh, that's uh, on, t- on TV, on broadcast for everyone to see. Because there's news choppers there at this at this big fight. So anyway, meanwhile, Mark manages to subdue some that kaiju with the power lines. You know, just in time to see what happened. And then Omni-Man turns to his son and tells him, hey, it's time they had a, they had a talk. So uh, yeah, I mean, after all of that nonsense, Big A, I mean, any any final thoughts, observations, surprises with this episode? Yeah, uh, it was a lot. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, uh, yeah. It, it was it was similar to the finale of Falcon and Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. um, because both of them had had a lot of storylines that kind of had to come to a conclusion. And we have one more episode for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it tied it really well, and it, it was really well-structured overall. Right. No, I was just about to make that same analogy, actually, because it did feel like that. Whereas, you know, obviously, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, it had to end. That was the finale. But it's like you said, all of these storylines are coming to a head. And it's like you said, it's all tied up really well. A lot's changing. Everything they've been building up is actually coming to a head. And, dude, I just think it's going to be crazy. I cannot wait to see what they have in store for us next next Friday. I'm so excited, dude. Um, yeah, same here. Ah, uh, man. Well, that is that is our podcast for today. Lots of talking. I mean, these are some dense shows, man. They they, they leave a lot to talk about. And I kind of I think sometimes, man, I should, you know, I should trim some stuff out, but I like I want to give I want to paint the full picture cuz there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of stories, there's a lot of moments, there's a lot of things that are worth talking about. So, uh, that's why these things are so uh breathtaking, literally. <laughs> um <laughs> All right. Well, that's our podcast for today. Thank you, everyone, for stopping in. As always, for Media Munchers, I'm Mathian. And I'm Major. All right. Have a good one, y'all.